0: The Why Me Project, an exclusive presentation of Faith Strong Today.
1: In the month of February, I like to talk about L-O-V-E love. Yeah, you do. 366 days a year, I like like to talk about L-O-V-E love.
2: I am still waiting for you and your wife to have like your own relationship podcast or at least a book. Because you guys, to me, are like marriage goals. You're like the
1: penguins. It's incredible. You need to share that knowledge. I would share it. She would hide behind me.
2: <laughs> That's true. Bless her. I
1: don't want nothing to do with this.
2: Yes. So since she, at this phase in her life, I'm going to say yet, mm-hmm. not yet doing this, we just are so excited today for our guest because we're going to dive into the topic of marriage. It's the month of love, right, Johnny?
1: That is it. Yeah. So speaker, author, podcaster. I don't even know, Arlene, if I can call you a marriage expert. Like I just, I'm going to throw it all out there and we'll just see how it You may call me happily
0: sticks. married. Let's go with Ooh, that. Ooh, happily, happily married. married, 25 years. Ooh. The marriage expert comes in that I've interviewed a lot of marriage people. So it's like I've rubbed shoulders. I've hopefully gained some information through not only osmosis, but actual practice. Yes. Yeah.
1: Every time I've ever talked to Gary Chapman, I'm always like, oh yeah. <laughs> No, I'm, I still suck at marriage. Despite the fact you've given me these love languages, I'm still terrible.
0: Yeah. Working on my love language. That's right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've, I've written some books with Dr. Chapman, so I know exactly what you mean.
2: Yes. And it's funny, too. The idea of like love languages for me, my husband was like, oh, yeah. You like this. I like that. We need to
0: figure out a better way of communicating. And I think what is really fun is when you start getting this, like, I like gifts. My husband and I, I like gifts and words and my husband likes physical touch. So when he figured out like, wow, if I just bring her a coffee in the morning, like as a gift, that's like, wow, <laughs> it took about 10 years to figure that out. And it was like you bought me a $3 at that time, you know, two, $3 cup of coffee and it just sent me over the moon. So that's kind of fun when you learn like, wow, this is not that hard and they really like this. Yeah, Exactly.
1: That's not fair because I bought my wife pistachios and they were not salted, and she wants nothing to do with me.
0: Nothing to do. It had the opposite effect.
1: Oh, no.
2: What's the saying? The devil's in the details. Devil's in the details. Read the label.
1: All right. Note to self. Um, uh, Arlene, we like to ask a skill testing question because we never know where it's going to go. And that is who are you and where did you come from?
0: Okay, well, my name is Arlene Pelican, and uh, my parents are from Indonesia, and I was born in New York. My dad wanted to leave Indonesia, Wanted most of his friends went to Europe, but he was like, I'm going to go to America. So my dad, you know, you think of it now, and it's like... It's your dad, but you think, wow, you were a very adventurous 20-something-year-old to leave your country and not know English and learn English by ordering pizza at a pizza place that you've never seen. So That's I was, uh, yeah, so it was really fun. So I'm an only child, so I've been doted on and spoiled and all those things. But people tell me, you don't act like an only child because I'm very, like, I do stuff for other people. So they'll be like, yeah. I don't quite get that. <laughs> and uh, I'm happily married to James. We, I, I was that girl who really wanted to get married in high school, had all the crushes, wanted to find that man, but he just was not around. So high school went by, college went by, four years of work went by. I thought, where in the world is this guy? So when I finally met my husband and married, I was very, very happy. And that was 25 years ago. We have three children, uh, Ethan, Noelle, and Lucy. We have one in college and two in high school. Wow. And we live in San Diego, California. I love family. I just love, like, the idea of this is something you can work at. This is something you can ha- have a strong, strong marriage, have a, have be like, instead of thinking like, Oh, my kids, you know, like, oh, and then they become teenagers and they become these monsters and then they become these young adults and they're like leeches and they like stay on you forever. (laughs) You know, I I like to be like, wait, 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 what? Like, this is amazing. You have this baby that's adorable. You have these kids who think you're gold. You have these teenagers that are becoming interesting people and then you will have adults that you you like actually like. Like, this Mm -hmm. is amazing. So, I just love to podcast and talk to people about how can we make our marriages, make our families stronger. And then particularly with technology, since technology is such a big part and all of a sudden we're looking at our phones instead of each other and we're on watching TV, you get it. So we try to help families to figure that piece out as well. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, marriage is such hard
2: work, but I've never heard people say marriage is a fun adventure to try to navigate.
0: Yes. Yeah, I think you're that kind of person. Yes, that it can be fun. Like, how can we make this easier? How can we make this more fun? And, you know, being separated and divorce and sadness, that's not so much fun either. And that's a lot of work. So you might as well put in the work to marriage and you get the fun of marriage also. Yeah, absolutely.
1: So when I say something like uh, speaker, author, podcaster, what what would you consider your sweet spot?
0: Oh, that's a tough question. I think speaker so I enjoy speaking to people face to face uh being able to talk to people afterwards I think that's my favorite but then I really do like so I think podcasting would be next cuz I love podcasting talking with people learning from them but then I am I'm like that half introvert half extrovert I'm probably like fifth introvert, 49% extrovert. So then I do like the writing because then that brings me back home and Mm -hmm. I'm just sitting in front of my desk and I don't have to see anybody for a day. And I like that too. So I am very blessed to be able to call all three arenas something that I do enjoy. I want to rewind to your single days because,
2: I mean, we had Valentine's Day this past month. There was Galentine's Day. There was Single Awareness Day. Um, So that everybody feels included. And so here you are a young woman looking for love and it's just not not coming your way. Yeah. Um Can we just talk a little bit about that process for you and, and how did you navigate those days where you had
0: the dreams and the plans? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think waiting, right? You learn a lot about waiting. You, you understand that, wait, maybe there is something to be learned here. Maybe there's like patience or I think really appreciation. I think when you get, if I would have like, you know, gotten, fall in love and gotten married right away, I think I wouldn't have the appreciation that I do today of you know, and I'm not saying if you find your love, right, really early that you can't have this appreciation, but when you've had to wait some for something, whether it's waiting for a job, waiting for a degree, waiting for uh, a special someone, waiting to have children, all those things, that waiting actually is not wasted. And it does help you appreciate like, wow, this finally happened. I think, you know, I did I, I wasn't seriously dating. I I did seriously date in college and thought this is the one, you know, but we broke up. And so that whole process mm-hmm. of having a broken heart and and just feeling that feeling of like I can't even breathe. Like, you know, like all I have to do is get through the day and breathe. Like oh, like yeah. Tom Hanks in Sleepless in Seattle when he says, <laughs> Well, I breathe in and I breathe out, you know. I think going through those things, it is actually helpful. Like I know it doesn't feel helpful in the moment. But it helps you as a person to be able to, to, to go through those things of pain and realize. I am going to come out on the other side of this. I think a lot of things right now are like, oh, we cannot be in pain. Like, we've got to like avoid that pain. We must escape and pain is, but that pain really, it awakens you to the pain of other people. It makes you a more compassionate person. It makes you more grateful for what you have. So yes, it was a lot of waiting and it was a lot of like watching the romantic movies and wondering like, why is that not happening to me? You know, so, so those things were definitely there. But there's also this element of faith and hope of, you know what, I'm just going to keep trusting that this is going to work out. And the last thing I'll say about this is it also makes you think, I don't want to just wait for this person to live Mm. like a full life. I don't want to just think like, oh, my life really begins when I fall in love. No, like what can you right now, right where you're at, you and your single self, You know, what can I do that is exciting to me, that I'm learning, that I feel like I'm contributing to society? Like get into that groove because that way you are, you're doing something. You're not just waiting around to live your life. You are already living your life. And that's really the way you want to enter marriage. Not like, Oh, good. You have now you complete me. That's a lot of pressure to put on one person. Like now my life begins because I met you. It's like, no, 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 let your life be as full as it can be as a single person, and then come alongside of another single who is also living that kind of life. And that's so much better than two people who are so sad and so down and just (laughs) waiting for each other to be this soulmate that does not exist.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You've you've gained all this knowledge. But I mean, if you were to look back on when you were in high school going into college, like Holly wanted to be a lawyer, realized that that was not in the cards. I didn't know what i wanted to be and i guess this was it <laughs> but you, you like looking at hair, it John. now yeah. because we you know you you wear so many hats where did you see yourself graduating and going into college cuz or was it where you are at the at the yeah. present
0: yeah, mm-hmm. it is kind of weird if I look at my, so we, we used to have journals, remember this Dear Diary, and we used yes. to have like books, right? We'd write Dear Diary, I would like to be. <laughs> and I really did write that I wanted to be a speaker because I liked giving speeches in high school. But then I thought like, what in the world is a 20 year old, 21 year old, who's going to pay me to like talk to them? It's like, It's like, this is not going to work. But it was what I wrote down. Like I do want to be a speaker. Right. So that is like something super sweet to me that you know I probably started speaking in my 30s so that something I wanted to do when I was a teenager did become something that I eventually did. So I so I'm super grateful for that.
2: What are the dangers in making marriage the end game?
0: Oh, such mm-hmm. a good question. Yes, a lot of dangers, right? Because if you think okay, like, this is it. Like, this is going to solve my problems. This is going to make me happy forever. You know, you are my soulmate. I have finally found you. And when marriage is based on these romantic, either romantic ideals that three years in, you're like, wow, you haven't, you haven't showered in like three days. Like, who is this person? You know, <laughs> like when that romance wears off, when that person stops doting on you the same way that you did when you're dating, You know, if you think, oh, this romance is the end goal, you're going to find yourself in trouble. So Brad Wilcox from the University of Virginia, he just had this article in The Wall Street Journal about how so many young people – buy into this, oh, marriage is the soulmate thing. Yeah. When you think like marriage is a soulmate thing, then that ends in trouble because you get disillusioned. But if you go in thinking marriage is this thing, I'm building a family with this person. I'm going to build a life with this person. I'm going to commit to this person for life. I'm going to do everything in my power not to do anything that would make you want to leave me and I am going to, we're going to build a family together. And when people came in with that mindset, the longevity you know is all there. So I think it it has to start with that place and realizing like we talked about before it's not up to my spouse to make me happy like if mm. I say well I'm not happy it's his fault. I'm not happy it's her fault. What has he done for me lately? What have she done for me lately? Like that's going to be a problem because you can't expect one person to be a mind reader to be your happiness like it's just it's giving someone that responsibility that that no one can live up to. You have to have the choice of saying like, I'm going to choose to be happy, you know, and they've done research on happiness and they find, uh, I believe like 50% of it is kind of how you're born, like your temperament. 40% is, no, I'm sorry, just uh, 10% is your circumstances, like what you go through. But 40% is what you choose, like what you bring to the table. And that's a huge chunk. And I think um, some of the statistics, a lot of times we'll think, well, the happiness will come when we get a college degree, or this is what young people believe. The happiness will come when you go to the right college and then you get their good job and then you're paid more than everybody else. And you've got this awesome job. That's what's going to make you happy. Sounds but what the, but the, what the research is showing is that's not true. Like that college, it'll give you a 64% boost in happiness. Having a, making more money than most will give you an 88% boost. Your work satisfaction will give you a 145% boost. But being married, just plain married, gives you a 151% boost. And if you're in a good marriage, then you get this Five hundred and forty-five percent boost, five times happier than the average person, oh, wow. simply because you're in a good marriage. So, even though there's a, a disillusionment side, let's say, of like, don't expect your spouse to do all this stuff for you, but also realize that wow, if you have a good marriage, you you're you're in for a pretty good life. It's it's going to be a good run. I'm going to. So I in. need to be
1: good oh. marriage and rich.
0: Yeah, that's not Five hundred percent
1: and two hundred percent. Now you're
2: set. Okay, I heard another stat, it went like this. For the people who were the happiest, the most happiest were married men. The next were single women. Then it was uh single men, and the least happy out of all of them were married women. <laughs> That's what, Now, I will admit, I have not seen that stat.
0: So I don't think I it was admit, a, like, it like, wasn't <laughs> like a scientific one, but I remember seeing that and I was like, <gasps> well, I'm just destined that, not to be happy. I think that might have been like, you know, the 10, I don't know, the 30 people that were in that <laughs> college at that moment when they did <laughs> the survey, I don't know. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, we're dispelling those myths. That's not true. Yeah. I would say, say, you know, when they look across the board, it is married women and married men, like both genders. Yeah. So, but I I think you can think of it true also anecdotally in your own life. You know, who do you Uh, know and and all those things. That's very funny. Yeah.
2: I laughed when I saw it. (laughs) I
1: remember growing up in the church, though, and like all of my friends at 18 and 19 wanted to get married to experience the fruits of marriage. If you do look at statistically now, we are getting, it's older, you know, we're now older as we're getting married. Very much so. But how How is that with the state of marriage? Where is the state of marriage from where we were, say, 20 years ago to, say, where we are now?
0: Yeah, I, I'm so glad you asked. National Marriage Week happens every year between February 7th and February 14th, and Brad Wilcox does a lot of research that we talk about. And so the state of marriage, like the good news is the divorce rate is down. So that's kind of like, okay, that's good news. But it's also because the marriage rate is down. So I think that's (laughs) why that's correlated. It's like the marriage rate has fallen. There are less people married. So there are also less people divorced. But the marriage rate has fallen by 65% um, since 1970. And what that means, like, for instance, if you look at the silent generation, they were 81% of them got married. The boomers, 61% of them got married. Gen X. 53% 53% of them got married. Millennials, 44% are getting married. So you see, like, from the silent generation of our grandmas and our great grandmas, you know, 81% of them getting married to millennials, 44%. I mean, it's really quite a big dip. Um, that has a lot to do with what you're talking about in terms of the, the, uh, not waiting for marriage to live together, a lot of cohabitation happening. And then a lot of young people just buying into this idea that is really fed constantly to them through social media that, Hey, you don't want to get married. You don't need a piece of paper for love. Mm. It's antiquated. It's old. You don't want the ball and chain of like having to be a mother and taking care of these screaming children. Like you don't want that. And as a result of this, instead of seeing, you know, I just recently, I was with my daughters in high school and we were driving home and we saw a, a young father and he, had, he was pushing a stroller. He had um one on his, he had basically one that was like standing on the back bumper of the stroller, one that was in a baby carrier in the stroller, and then one that was forward facing in the stroller. So he was basically pushing three kids and he looked adorable. Like he was really like, cute and like they were all cute it was like really cute like like who could handle this but he can handle it kind of thing yeah and i'm thinking this is the kind of stuff we need to be showing kids that this is what manhood looks like i am taking these three kids i'm giving my wife a break and i'm taking these three kids and we are going on this amazing walk you know so at this time if the statistics hold true one out of three young people will not they'll never marry one Mm -hmm. out of three will never marry and you think of what does that do for the economy? What does that do for fertility rate and birth rate and replacement of people? What's going to happen to our population? And then on a very personal level, you know, that might sound fun when you're 20s and 30s, but when you're 50, 60, 70, 80 and you have nobody to care for you because you don't have children, you might not have nieces and nephews, you haven't taken time to you know cultivate a relationship with someone that's you know would be your child's age like this is serious so so in that sense it is like sound the alarm like this marriage thing is pretty good and 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 play this movie forward what is this going to mean if you decide that marriage is completely irrelevant
1: robots that's
2: what it means robots you're right you're right
0: (laughs) You answered all the questions. End of interview. Thank you. And that that is end of interview. And that is a bleak existence. So like Brad Wilcox says, his new book is Get Married. Get married. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So why get married? If you're listening to this and you're single, this is to give you just a thought of like, well, you know, let me reframe marriage. You know, this is not Mm -hmm. like, let's force every single person in the world to get married. This is not what this is about. Mm -hmm. But when you look at marriage you can see that, okay, married people—they have longevity. They live longer and they're healthier. A lot of that is because they're not lonely. Because they—if if you're lonely, you know—I uh, heard a study, and maybe hopefully this wasn't like the study you heard, but I heard a yeah. study that being the fake lonely was like <laughs> like health wise, the impact it had on your health as you age is like smoking—you know, 15 cigarettes a day. Like oh, wow. it just you deteriorate so much faster when you are alone. So, you know, you're not lonely. Uh, you're financially more stable. You have a lot more in assets and in money. We joked about being rich. You're a lot richer when you stay together and you're a lot poorer if you either never marry or you divorce and have to split everything. So you're economically more stable. You're healthier. You're happier, as we already talked about, that 545% boost. And it's a better way to raise children that when children are raised by a mom and a dad in a stable, loving environment, that just is a huge boost to any child growing up. And it is interesting. It's like, um, you hear this talk about, oh, well, marriage is not really important, but it's like, it's like kind of the rich elites who don't need marriage to be successful, you know? Like they are married and they're saying that marriage isn't that important. But you look and if you are poor, then you, you know, if, if you want to go like kind of move up socially and be able to make more money and to make your way and to do all these things, then when you when you see like a, like uh places communities where marriage where there are more people married you see more upward mobility mm. and and so a lot of that we don't really talk about that that by goodness if if marriage i mean and all you have to do is think of a family that if there's just a single parent there with these kids, that it is harder financially to make it. It is harder to give them the the advantages that they need to continue to move forward. So all that to say, you know, marriage is so good and you just have to talk to anyone who they're, you know, they either the contrast of being raised in a single parent home or the contrast of being raised in a in a home where there are two married parents who love each other, just the, the day in, day out of life is so different.
1: Yeah. I, I do want to talk a little bit about the loneliness Though so we a few weeks ago, we talked to uh, Dr. John Deloney, and we were talking about yes. marriage, and we were talking about mental health. But he also said there are times where we're going to sit on the couch, and we're going to be six inches away from each other, but we're on our phones, and we're yes. really like six miles apart. Totally. How does technology then weigh in on marriage? And is it affecting our marriages in that way?
0: You know, I think it's the new mistress or I don't know what the guy of a mistress is, but it's like this acceptable thing that's in the room that is taking the life out of so many marriages. I have a book, Mm -hmm. Calm, Cool and Connected, Five Digital Habits for a More Balanced Life. And in the book, I ask this question, is your spouse more interesting than your phone? And it's like, yeah, they used to be, that's why you picked them. But now that you've known them for a while, it's like, no, my phone, let's be honest, is way more interesting. It has the movies I want. (laughs) It has shopping. It has stock. It has news. It doesn't ask anything of me. It goes exactly where I want it to go. I can numb out. I can escape. I can be amused. And wow, it's all in this little glowing rectangle. And it's completely Mm. socially acceptable for me to carry this wherever I go and for us to be on a date with it, for us to instead of like snuggling, you know, and all this business night Instead, we're back to back each of us on our phones, or maybe we're watching Netflix and we're falling asleep. Like it is a huge thing. Business Insider says we touch our phones over 2000 times a day, swiping, tapping, all oh. this stuff. Can you imagine if you just reached out to your spouse two times a day with a kiss <laughs> or with a hug and just like, babe, I love you so much. Can you imagine like your spouse would be like, what is happening? Yeah. So, Are you okay? I love okay? to tell people, don't <laughs> send so much attention to your phone. It doesn't care. You know, put it to your spouse. And just if you're brave enough to take this dare that you would ask your spouse, am I spending too much time on my phone? Do you feel like like I'm ignoring you? Do you feel like I'm giving you the attention that I need, uh, that you need? And I tell you what, we will not ask this question because that means that your spouse will then ask it of you. And then you'll be like, Oh man, I got to put down my phone, you know, so we will not ask the question because we don't want to put down our phones either. So I just dare you like ask your spouse, you know, Hey, how are we doing with the phone? Do we need to like put it down more and just commit to that like meal free? I'm not meal free. That would be bad meal free dinner. Um, screen free dinner okay. that you will have dinner and there will be no screens present.
1: Okay. The first time ever we're going to do a challenge. I want everybody who's listening. To uh, touch your spouse 2,000 times like That's you would right. your phone.
0: <laughs> That's right. Can you imagine? It's going to help the fertility rate. This is going to be fantastic. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I might be like, please stop touching
2: me. I'm overstimulated. <laughs> That's right. right. Like, can you just go away? I'm going to go grocery shopping. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right. Uh, curious about your why me moment, because you've dedicated a big chunk of your life to encouraging people who are in relationships and yes. their families and creating the home as a safe place and a place of growth. Hmm. So this is your journey. But has there been a moment along the way where you just ask God,
0: why me? You know, when we talked about how I waited for my husband and then um, we waited to get children, we both of us, we didn't have any infertility in our background. So I thought for sure it'd be super easy to have children. And then when we weren't having children, it was like, what is happening? And then we found ourselves at this infertility clinic. Like, what in the world? Why me? Like, this is not supposed to be our story. Yeah. So we did have trouble having kids. Uh, I had a fibroid in my uterus and then once we had mm. surgery on that, but that was a very lengthy process. But once we finally did that, we did have our firstborn Ethan. So it was very mm. exciting. Uh, but then we, we miscarried and we, I was pretty far along. I miscarried at 26 weeks. And that I think was definitely the why, why me moment. But I will tell you, um, we lost that little girl. And when all that was happening, I felt God's presence closer to me than I, I think maybe than I ever have felt, you know, it's just like in every moment he was there so near, just like I would always um ask like at church, they would say like, if you want to come forward for prayer, you can. And I always did always like my baby's in trouble. You know, they're telling me that my baby's going to die in the womb. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. So, you know, we went through that and always got prayed for. And so that why me moment of losing that little girl was also um, a sweet time of like the presence of God, like the prayers of God's people, like older people, like grandmas coming around me and saying like, it's going to be okay. And so we said goodbye to that little girl. And my husband was sure, like, God's going to give us another girl. Like, I just know it. I just know it. I just know it. You know, he was really sure. And uh, we said goodbye to that little girl um in April. And, oh no, I'm sorry. I'm doing my dates wrong. It was in April that I did the pregnancy test and found out that we were pregnant again. And so we couldn't mm. believe it. And then, uh, pretty much a year later after that we had lost that girl, we welcomed a new little girl, Noelle Joy into our lives. And she is now going to graduate from high school, you know? Oh. So, so I'm just that, that was the whiny moment of like, why do I have to go through this, uh, losing a baby? That, that was the whiny moment.
1: Yeah. Was it helpful in that your husband was like, we're going to have another girl? Because I know that there are people who have gone through it and they're like, I I don't know if I want another one. I don't know if I want to go through this pregnancy.
0: Yeah, it was that it was like, yes, we're going to. I just know like that hope, you know, that there was that hope, like, like whatever. Let's keep trying. Instead of like, Hey, let's give it. And that's a joke in itself, right? Like my husband's always like, let's keep trying to have a baby. That's <laughs> we, could, you know, you get that. But, yeah. <laughs> but it was that hope of like, yeah, let's, let's try for more children, you know? And we did have two other girls. We had, I miscarried again, but much earlier on. But mm-hmm. so I had two miscarriages and we have three children, um, with us. So it was very, very good.
2: Incredible. It's uh, a lot of people dealing with fertility. Mm -hmm. um, situations. And so it's, I I love that people are talking about it more now because I think it helps with the healing knowing that you're not alone in that journey. Yeah. It's so true, Holly. Um, I know we have to wrap up soon, but I just want to ask about the faith component about, um, your life and just how has faith played a role in you, you know, being that little girl who wanted to have a family to where you are
0: today? Yes. Um, having faith in God has been a huge kind of a central part. It is God's goodness. Like all these gifts are from God. All the, the blessing of a family, I believe of love and all those things are, are gifts from, from God. And I think the trust to like a, uh, the, the morning that I lost that, that little, when, when I found out, the morning that I found out that my baby was so sick, the verse I had read was from Proverbs and it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge God and he will direct your paths. And that really is a good capsule of like, my life has been, Lord, I trust you. I, I'm i so grateful that I don't have to to like figure this life thing out on my own. Like yeah. I can trust you. You know so much more than I do. I can trust you. You are trustworthy. And that as I dedicate everything to you, if I say like, Lord, I need your help. Like, I don't know what to do. Give me wisdom. God will give that. Um, that he is a loving father who wants to answer our prayers. Does that mean that life is always easy and everyone gets healed? And no, that's not what that means, but it means God will walk with you. So God's been so near to me. And it really is like, you know, I have, I've written, I'm working on my 10th book right now. Uh, I don't have an agent. I did this when my kids were, I started when my kids were small, like only God could do this, you know? So I kind of feel like only God could have opened these doors and and allowed me to do different things and taken the time like, okay, God, I got two extra hours. You just make it work, you know? And he's just done that over and over and over again. So I really see how God has come through so many times.
1: Valentine's Day is a one day. Uh, I mean, you guys have made it into a national marriage week. But uh, if we want more information, if we want more resources, is there a good place for us to go with regards to marriage stuff?
0: Yes, absolutely. You can go to marriageweek.org any day of the year. So marriageweek.org. And you'll find creative date night ideas. You'll find a couple's connection plan of like, okay, I want to connect to my spouse, but we are staring at each other. I have no idea what to do anymore. Look at that plan. It'll give you some ideas. And then you can look for my books. Um, Calm, Cool, and Connected is one I know, uh, talked about. About If you're on your phone too much, go get, I dare you, go get Calm, Cool, and Connected. <laughs> and then my website is dot ArlenePellicane.com, ArlenePellicane.com. And I'm the host of the Happy Home Podcast. I want
2: to know just quickly your top three things that someone can do if they feel like their marriage is hitting or in a rough yes. patch.
0: yes. Number one, schedule a date night, even though you don't feel like it, just schedule it and do it. Number two, uh, speak the love languages, take the quiz. If you've never done it before, take the quiz. And maybe you guys are just like crossing paths, like you're just miscommunicating right now. So take that quiz. And then the third one is commit to growing, like do something to grow your marriage. So maybe you're going to read a book together. Maybe you're going to go to counseling. Maybe you're listening to a marriage podcast together, or you're going to schedule a time to go to a marriage retreat. So do one or all of those things, date night, schedule that marriage retreat, and do those love languages.
1: And treat your spouse like your phone.
0: My goodness. Can you imagine? Be like, you are so interesting. I cannot take my hands off of you. I must look at you all the time and just check to make sure you're okay. Isn't that funny? I love that. Why do you keep
1: buffering? Why
0: do you keep That's buffering? really funny.
1: Holly, <laughs> this has been amazing. Thank you for taking some time today and sharing your heart.
0: Thank you so much, Johnny. Thanks, Holly. Statistics
1: are something that I really do love. Sometimes I just figure, how do they come up with this? 548% said this. And uh, listen, If it's uh, love and it's 540, I'm all in.
2: There you go. See, I just pull statistics that are more depressing. I guess that would go to show my uh, love-hate relationship with the idea of romance.
1: (laughs) I heard that it's not good. She's like, I I don't know what you're saying, Holly. Like, Statistically, you're wrong.
2: That's news to me. It was a long time ago. I was single and bitter, and I just held that. I was like, yes, this is true. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and I mean, a um, marriage week, it's it's great that we could focus a day. It's great that we could focus on a week. There are people who are dealing with not being able to find the one. Yeah. There's some single people out there. Like the thing is, is that we, regardless of marriage or not, we need to be community and we yeah. need to be there for one another. And it just so happens if you get married, it's like that added bonus.
2: Yeah. It's community that you can't escape.
1: Yeah. That's, <laughs> right. Walls.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Two in the morning. Mom, mom, I'm scared.
1: Your dad's right beside me. <laughs> Wake him up. Why me? <laughs> all right. But no, uh, Arlene was fantastic. It's so yes. great. I mean, there's, there's so much more that I wanted to dive into. But then again, it's like you have so much, you don't have all the time. And then I mean, I love numbers. I would have got buried in the numbers and it would have been great. I was writing things down. So it's kind of one of those things to, A, go back and read a bunch of her books and then B, Mm -hmm. go back and re-listen to our podcast nine times and then tell friends and family members about it.
2: Exactly. Share. um, Don't forget to subscribe, rate, review. If you are watching uh, any bits and pieces of this on YouTube, please um, use this as a tool to encourage people that you know.
1: Because we like marriage.
2: <laughs> what is that from? Princess Pride? Oh. oh, that was love. True. Love. True love.
1: <laughs> marriage. Here we are, guys. This is us. Check us out. FaceStrongToday.com. com. <laughs> <laughs>